David stirred himself up concerning what the Lord had done through him. Amen. What he had seen, he'd seen and experienced the hand of deliverance of the Lord to kill the lion, to kill the bear. And he's like, you know what? That same anointing that came on me to kill the lion, the same anointing that came on me to kill the bear, that's the same anointing that's going to come on me to kill this uncircumcised Philistine. And, and David, you know, he kind of shows up, and I think he was a little in shock. Because you know what? I don't know if you've ever, I have never been in a pot of oil with a, a, a frogs when they start to heat it up, you know? But I know you put a, a, a frog in there or in the water and you start heating it up, they won't jump out if you heat it slowly enough. And so all of a sudden you're in this, you're in this death-filled environment and you're being numbed by it and you're not aware of it. And then somebody else actually might come and show up like David and say, like, how dare you defy the armies of the living God. He's like, do you all see what's happening here? You've been so in this atmosphere that you're not even aware of what is going on. And so David actually had a cause. And his cause was not, I'm going to be the one that kills the, you know, giant, and get the king's daughter. Well, he was happy about that. But his cause was a kingdom cause. Like, this should not happen because... It's not like you're just defying an army of people. You're defying God by defying his armies. So therefore, I know if I go to fight against this giant, God is with me. And I, I've seen him come with me before. So uh, you'll really launch out in victory when you launch out because, let's see here. I like how F.F. Bosworth said it. When you want what God wants for the same reason that God wants it, you guys know this quote, you are invincible. When you want what God wants for the same reason God wants it, you're invincible. In other words, you can't be stopped. Why? Well, because it's like Jesus said in John chapter uh, 15, verse 7, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you'll ask whatever you want, it'll be done. What is that? Well, you want what God wants for the same reason God wants it. Because you, you, you're, you're born again, you're feeding on the word, and all of a sudden you're like, wait a second, this is not right. And God is a God of righteousness. God is a God of right things, and this is not right. And so really, I think your faith will take a Take a uh, strong voice whenever you're speaking because of what the Word says. That's where faith comes from. And you say, oh, wait a second. You said, glorify you in my body and in my spirit, which are yours. And sickness does not glorify you. Uh, infirmity or, you know, like uh, something broke or missing or strained in your body does not glorify the Lord in your body. Health and healing and strength and vigor glorify the Lord. In your body, glorify the Lord. So you just don't have to look at it just for yourself. Of course, you want to feel better because you want to feel better. Right? That's just kind of normal. 
people that don't believe in healing, they're kind of like, um, you kind of want to say like, they think the Lord's going to teach them something. Do you want me to pray for more sickness come on you so that you can glorify the Lord more through sickness? And, you know, that's unbiblical. You say, like, if you believe that the Lord is doing that to you, why do you ever go to the doctor? You should never go to the doctor then. You should say, Lord, just bring some more sickness. Maybe COVID and, I don't know, like some incurable disease just so you can get more glory. Well, no. If a father's not going to give a child a serpent or a scorpion, something that's going to hurt him, how much more would God not do that? God's a good father. That's just human thinking human pride, the pride of life, like I know better than God, and uh, that's unbiblical. And so God's a good God, and he's a healing God. Uh, let's look real quick at, uh, where are we at? Romans chapter 8. We'll finish with this, I believe. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself, really better translation is himself, bears witness with our spirits that we are the children of God. Listen to this. And if children, so in other words, if you're a child of God, then an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. If so, be that we suffer with him, that way may be also glorified together. Well, if you're born again, you're a child of God. And as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. So sons and daughters of God should expect the leading of the Lord in their spirit. In other words, you have the leading of the Lord in your spirit if you're born again. Whether you recognize and yield to that leading or not, you actually have that leading. You have that leading. And if you follow that leading, the Lord will take care of you. The Lord will supply you. In fact, uh, the Lord told uh, Dad Hagen one time, he said, if you be led by my spirit, I'll make you rich. I'm not opposed to my children being rich. I'm opposed to them being covetous. Is that scriptural what he just said? I don't care if the Lord speaks to you in a vision or not a vision or in your heart. If the Word and the Spirit agree. It has to agree with the Word. What's the Word say? Well, the Word says, um, we've received the spirit of adoption, which says, Daddy God or Abba Father. There's no real good translation for Abba in English. Maybe, maybe Abba is better for you than it is for us native English speakers. <laughs> but then he says, verse 17, we're, or 16, we're the children of God, and... If we're children, then we're heirs. So in the same context where he says, you know, you be led by the Spirit of God, he's saying, you're provided for by God. You're an heir of God. You're, you're a son of God. And he's like, really, just think about that. If you're a son or a daughter of God, if he's your father, then that actually means, wait a second, that means you're God's heir. And if you're God heir, you're actually a joint heir with Jesus Christ. In other words, it's in him that our inheritance from God comes. It's in him that our physical healing comes. It's, it's in him that our spiritual uh, new life comes. It's in him that our, our uh, financial heirship is possessed. It is in Christ. Because we are children of God. 
Well, that sounds kind of like if you be led by my spirit, as many as are led by the spirit of God, they're the sons of God. And then it's talking, he's talking about being heirs of God. So maybe all of the inheritance that we have or that we see in the word that belongs to the children of God, maybe areas where we're not experiencing all of that is because we haven't been led in those areas. That's not the right way to say it. I said that very unbiblically. Maybe it's because the Lord leading us in those areas we haven't listened or followed. (laughs) God is a good God. He'll lead you down a good path. Verse 18, for I reckon, I like to reckon. It's an old King James word, but I like to reckon. I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. I reckon, I reckon that the sufferings, if I keep my body under, Paul said, I keep my body under. that after I've preached to others, I myself would be cast away. He's like, no, I'm not going to let my body dominate me. I keep my body under. I I reckon that when I feel sickness and disease in my body and I feel tired and I don't want to just get the word and meditate the word and confess I was healed by his stripes or let that really dawn on my heart again and be fresh, I reckon that that suffering is kind of worth it to have the glory of God. Uh, I got a a new message this weekend, a series about suffering, Christian suffering. Christian suffering is one of the greatest things you could ever find. But it's not what the natural mind thinks, like I got to suffer through sickness, I got to suffer through disease. No, you don't have to. But you got to suffer in the flesh. Paul said, uh, you know, I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. Uh, Christian life is not about being comfortable. It's about living for God. And sometimes to live for God in your body, you know, it's just such a joy when everything in you just like wants to go to bed, roll over, and just like yield to the sickness even though you really don't want to, but your, your flesh is so tired sometimes, you're like, oh. we just got to focus on the goodness of God. Well, the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. So you're fighting, but not for victory, from victory. You say, I, I command strength into my body. I command my body to function the way God designed it. I command my body to work in the name of Jesus. Well, you're real serious about that? The sickness and disease will know that you're real serious about that. It's not about God. God loves you. He provided for you. It's about resist the devil and he will flee, but first submit yourselves to God. So I'm like, Lord, I'm yours. Everything you want, right? So sometimes there is a suffering that happens, which is uh, maybe you could say say it uh, a sacrifice of the flesh. Offer your bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God. This is your reasonable act of worship. So sometimes there does come a sacrifice 
I mean, if you're living as a, a new man in Christ, let me tell you, you're sacrificing your flesh daily. I die daily, Paul said. I die daily. If you're going to walk in love, you are sacrificing your body. But let me tell you, if you will walk in love, make that your chief goal in life, that you're going to walk in the love of God, oh, you're going to find strength to return to your body. You're going to find direction. You're going to find you'll walk in deliverance. Why? Because that, that is suffering in the flesh, but that is like abundant life in the spirit. In other words, you can live your life to satisfy your fleshly desires, or you can live your life to satisfy your inward desires, your spirit desires. And if you live that way, you live, one translation says, independent of circumstances. I have learned, Paul said, in all states, all 50 states, how to be content. No, he was saying, he was saying both states, you know. To abase and to abound is how the King James says it. I have learned in all states how to be content. Well, he wasn't really talking about the amounts. He was talking about learning to live independent of your financial circumstances that I will not be affected where all of a sudden abundance comes or lack comes. I'm living for God. I will not be overcome with this. I will not be overtaken by this. This is just another opportunity to act on what God said and watch God do what only he could do. Amen. Some people, it's funny. Uh, people that I know that don't believe that God wants to financially prosper you, I don't know what kind of God they think he is. They're, I shouldn't say... Um, they are just deceived. They're blinded in that area. They will fight you sometimes tooth and nail. If you say God heals physically and God will bless you financially, they'll just, no, no, don't say that. Don't say that. No, 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 no. But, you know, those same people are so afraid if they were ever blessed financially with great abundance that they would turn away from God and not serve him anymore. So I said to one of them one time, I said, he's a friend, but I said, well, if you're so afraid of that, I guess you shouldn't have prosperity. <laughs> I said, I believe you can have more than enough and still serve the Lord. But I guess the biblical way to do that is not just to have a lot of uh, financial abundance. You're right. You have to be generous because that affects your heart. So maybe... Uh, back to what we were talking about, I guess, this whole thing. If you're just focused on yourself and me and what I can get, you're kind of disqualified. Because it's me, me, me. Well, God wants you to give generously so you can reap generously, so you can give generously, so you can reap generously, so you can give generously. Generous giving will produce generous living. And many times that starts right wherever my heart is. And your heart is here. We call it the heart, but really it's kind of the, the belly is the center more. But um, 
your generosity. Generosity is not produced in the mind of man. It's actually produced in the heart of God, transferred to the heart of man, and expressed then through the actions of man. Generosity is of the heart. So when Paul talks in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 about generous sowing, producing generous reaping, he's talking about your giving is from where? The heart. Is that biblical? Well, what's the next verse right after that? Every man give as he purposes in his heart. So he calls money seed in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and he connects it with your generosity, which is from your heart. And Jesus said, you know, your giving will affect your heart. You can't serve God and money or the, the things money can get you, the influence it can get you, the comfort. Do you remember the rich man? Jesus talked about him. He said, well... I need to build some bigger barns. So I'm going to tear my current barns down, and I'm going to build bigger ones. And I'm going to say to my soul, soul, take your rest. Eat, drink, and be merry. And Jesus said, fool, your soul will be required of you that very day. So God doesn't want us to be covetous but he wants us to be abundantly supplied. And the more you learn about prosperity in the Bible, what the Bible teaches of prosperity, prosperity is not limited to just your spirit and just your body and just your mind. It also includes your finances. As your spirit or soul prospers, so everything else will prosper. If you think about it, you know, uh, over in Malachi, the word says, I will open up, bring all the tithes in the storehouse, see if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out such a blessing that you are not able to contain it. That, that, that actually kind of means, see if I will not give you so many opportunities for increase that you have to choose which one to take. You notice you still have to possess that land. But he gives you the opportunities. And then he'll lead you into the right ones. But he gives you all these opportunities. So the Lord is endeavoring to bring us up and to increase us. But you cannot serve, Jesus said, God and mammon. You ever watch that movie? I'm, I'm, I was born in 75, so I don't even know when this movie came out. Probably like the 80s or early 90s. But Karate Kid. And his little uh, teacher or whatever. I just remember that one part. Like, uh, if you go down the middle of the road, you're squished like grape. Squished like grape, you know? 
so you don't be squished like grape. So you got to determine in your heart, wait a minute, I am all in. I'm serving God. Deuteronomy actually says that in the Living Translation. It, it talks about uh, tithing is to teach us how to follow God or serve God in every area of our life. So you say, Lord, I put you first. How to put God first. I put you first in everything concerning me. So I put you first in my money. I'm going to give you first place. I'm going to honor you first. In other words, first, first thing that you are sending out of your account um, after every increase should not be a bill. It should be something that honors God who gives you power to increase, power to get wealth. And you honor him in this, well, God honors you right back. It, the, the windows of heaven are open. And you're like, look at this, opportunity after opportunity. I'm honoring you. But you can't, well, I'm going to do it man's way, I'm going to do it God's way, I'm going to do it man's way, God's way. Well, God will give you wisdom, He'll give you direction. Um, I don't really have time to go into a lot of these, but, you, you know, there's one particular man that was, um, would invest. Before he would invest, he actually had a closet he would go and pray in when somebody would present. Everybody knew, like, this guy likes to invest in businesses and stuff, and so they'd say, invest in mine, invest in mine, invest in mine. Well, he'd say, okay. Well, he'd say, I go into my closet until I get an answer. I don't come out prayer closet. He'd pray. He said, things that my head said, oh, you got to get into this. This is going to, this is going to be the best thing ever. My spirit would say no. And so I didn't do it. He said, and then that thing flopped. I'd have every, lost everything I put into it. He said, but then other things, I'm like, that's not going to do anything. That's not going to be worth anything. But my spirit said, yeah. He said, I prayed. I had a, a go ahead. Didn't have a check. I had a go ahead. Many are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. So he had a leading from the Lord. How's the Lord? The Lord primarily leads believers by the inward witness. So his spirit is witnessing to your spirit on the inside of you. Yeah, go that direction? No, don't go that direction. And the more you yield to spiritual things, the more distinct that becomes. In other words, the more clear that becomes. And kind of the easier it is for you. But when you first start doing it, it's kind of like, um, I don't know what it's like. It's like doing something you haven't done before. Oh, I know what it's like. It's like learning how to swing the club in golf. I mean, that feels so awkward and wrong. But you got an instructor right with you, and they're like, no, that's perfect. I'm like, well, that feels totally imperfect. That's exactly how you're supposed to do it. But it, I wasn't used to those you think I'm a golfer? I'm not. <laughs> but I had a couple instructors. <laughs> but it feels so wrong. Like your body, you're like, really? That's how I'm supposed to do that? You know, that, that doesn't feel right. You know, but then after you, are you a golfer? So after you've done it for a while, does it still feel awkward and wrong? It does. <laughs> See, I haven't done it long enough. <laughs> so after you've been led by the Spirit... You, you learn what is supposed to, I feel like it's kind of the wrong word, but you, you learn that it, it, it's different than living to gratify your flesh and every little thing your flesh wants. I mean, because we teach our little children 
gratify the flesh from the day they're born. Oh, they cried. Oh, where's Brandon? Oh, they cried. Oh, change their diaper. Give them food. And then if your kids were like some of mine, you just want sleep, you're like, do anything because I just want to sleep. <laughs> so to their beck and call, anything they want, let's do it, you know. And you got to kind of like um, begin to uh, change that as they grow. So he said, I reckon that the sufferings of this present age are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed. Yeah, of course, that's talking about a, a glory at the end of the age, but that's talking about a glory today. He even goes on to say, even creation's looking for you to stand up as a son and a daughter of God and take dominion back into the kingdom of God and say, no, sickness, you're not just going to go any old place you want to go. I dispossess your territory. You cannot have this territory. You're going to have to find someone else who's willing to take this because I am not. He say, who are you? And you just say, nobody. I just happen to be a child of the Most High God, a, a, a sister of the Lord Jesus Christ who whipped your butt and stripped you naked through the streets of eternity for all to see that you are powerless. So it's not about me. It's about whose I am and whom I serve. And when you kind of get that attitude, it's a lot easier to be bold. Because it's not about you. It's about him. And it is about you and the fact that God chose to love you. But you see how subtle, do you see how subtle this is? It's not about you. It's about him. So a true believer uh, that's acting like a believer is not self-centered and self-focused. They're God-focused. You want what God wants for the same reason God wants it. So you're not like, hey, I want everybody to look at me. I'm going to walk in hell so everybody can know that I am stronger spiritually than everybody else that I know more, the Lord loves me more. Those are all deceptions from the enemy. Well, kind of like you could say uh, masquerading as, as angels of light. Self-righteousness is spit it out, spit it out. Lord, be merciful to me. He beat his chest, a sinner. Yet the Pharisees said, well, you know, I give a tenth of everything. I'm so much better. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth. That Pharisee didn't go away justified, but the man who said, be merciful to me. He threw himself on the mercy of the Lord. Amen. Well, if you'd like to sow a seed in the kingdom, you can do that. Uh, right? Is that right? Okay. Uh, so we're going to uh, finish as soon as the song's over. We're done worshiping with the song. Then I'll come up and say a little something and dismiss us. But it's been a good day. Amen. And uh, the Lord is good. And uh, all the time. So you just uh, take, if you received healing uh, or deliverance, uh, don't let the devil come in and uh, repossess that place in your life. You say, oh, no, this is mine. My Heavenly Father gave this to me. And I'm so thankful. I'm so grateful. Um,
Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness and for your mercy. And we thank you for your provision. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.